Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Here's one of the interviews from the stage of the 2016 Code Conference. If you like it, please leave us a review at itunes.com slash Recode Replay. Now, now, would you give Harvey a proper intro? Yes, Harvey. Anyway, this is a guy who I really like a long time. No, he's fantastic. He's lively. He's interesting. And entrep- one of the first entrepreneurs in, in, in media, I think one of the early ones, inter- digital entrepreneurs, also has a television show um, and all kinds of ideas. And he's got some great ideas. He knows he has to talk about uh, the Gawker controversy, but there's also some really fascinating concepts around publishing and where it's going. Yep. Without further ado, Harvey. Come on. Come on, Harvey. How are you? Hi, how are you doing here? Sit right Am over I there? there? Right there. Okay. Good. Oh, okay. Do you ever not wear that outfit? It's interesting. It's like on the TV shows. It's, it's you know. It's your thing? My basic thing. All right. Shiny shoes. I so like those them. are nice. Um, so you were telling us backstage, you got your start with someone we know really well. Jim Bankoff, where is he? Where? Is he here? He's cutting deals in the background. He's yeah. cutting. He was head of AOL, and um, when this whole thing started, mm-hmm. Jim were partnered with Telepictures, which basically formed this, this thing, Alliance, where they wanted to do kind of a red carpet, extended red carpet mm-hmm. um, website. Mm-hmm. And that was the initial idea mm-hmm. behind what became TMZ. Right. And which it is not. Which it is not. And I right, was not yeah. particularly yeah. interested in it. Yeah. So um, I said no to it. Um, they had just canceled my television show. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a show called Celebrity Justice. Jim wasn't involved in that, but Telepictures was. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you want to get involved in this thing. And so I thought about it, and I actually went to Mexico mm-hmm. uh, three months after they made the offer. And I said, you know, if you have a news organization online where you don't have a time period, because that's the problem I had on my sure. television show with right. Celebrity Justice, is that we didn't have great time periods. and we would get a story, and we broke a lot of stories in the show, but we ended up calling CNN, calling Fox, calling MSNBC, and saying, can we break it on your show, because it's not going to wait until 12.30 at night. Mm -hmm. And so we would break our stories on other stations, and by the time it aired on ours, the story we broke was old news. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't make that a business. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, I was kind of in this margarita haze. Mm -hmm. And it was really simple, and it was kind of, you know, if you have a website, and you create a news operation around it, and you don't have a time period, and you don't have a publishing cycle, if you get it right, you get it up without having to wait, and you can win. And it was really that simple. And I met with Jim Bankoff, and I met with Jim Peritori, and I said, if we can kind of make that the center, I'm in. Mm -hmm. And they loved it, so they said, let's do it. So Jim Bankoff. Jim Bankoff. All He's right, a good gr- to know. So besides, Boy, whoever knows Jim besides Bankoff. Besides Jim Bankoff, what, what is the thing that has allowed you to succeed? What is the thing that you're doing better than other people or at least that you did before other people? I mean, look, we, to me, the heart of this is we have a news operation. And around that, we've built three television shows. We've built a bus store. We've built a lot of stuff. But the core of it is the news operation. And, you know, it's not a big secret. I mean, we work really hard. And um, we have you know, great producers. Um, and the producers are reporters slash producers. And we dog stories. I mean, when we broke the Prince story, his death, I, I mean, there was no secret to it. We got on the phone, and we probably made 150 phone calls in a very short period of time. And we were coming up with ideas and calling so-and-so. 
It's and preceding that, you said you were you were the ones that broke the story about his plane landing. And that's Illinois. right, and it was the same thing. We didn't know anybody in Moline, Illinois, and so it's how do you get on the ground in Moline, Illinois, and figure out what's going on when you when you get a tip that his plane made an emergency landing at one in the morning. And, and it was making dozens and dozens of phone calls. It's not really a secret. And it's also not a secret that you pay for information. You will pay tipsters varying degrees of money for tips. See, that is an overblown story that I think the New York Times wrote years ago. No, I mean, for example, Prince. We got a tip and we made a bunch of phone calls. But you do pay in cases, right? And you're okay with that. I mean, I, I cannot remember the last time we paid for a tip. I'm not against it, by the way, because if somebody calls up and says, and this is like a hypothetical case, I'm living in some state and there is this amazing lawsuit involving an athlete, and I'm gonna, I'll tell you what courthouse it's in, but I want $100. I have, in principle, I have absolutely no problem with that. There's it's not the way it works. There's a well-reported New Yorker story says you paid for, among other things, the, the Ray Rice tape. Um, it doesn't seem like that's controversial to you. And again, like outside of the oh, U.S. Oh, it's not. Outside of the U.S., it's not controversial to pay for access to information. Uh, you should know that everybody in the United States pays for video and photos. How do they do that? The, well, they do it in several ways. They do it outright. I mean, we have, we have agencies like Splash and ACM, uh, all sorts of AKM, all sorts of agencies. They, they, they sell to Entertainment Tonight, they sell to ABC News, they sell to NBC News. They all buy this stuff. If you saw, I mean, I don't know, remember Britney Spears with the umbrella where she hit the car? That was an agency. Everybody had to pay for that. So they've been paying for decades, decades before we did it. Um, the dishonesty is acting like they don't. And my feeling about this is that why shouldn't we pay for photos and video? If somebody shoots a video and they, and, and we say to them, or NBC News says, hey, we would love that video. Why do we have a right to say, you should give that to us for free because we're a news operation? We're in it for profit. NBC News is a profit-making operation. ABC News is profit-making. CNN is profit-making. LA Times is profit-making. So, well, not so many profits, but go ahead. Well, I, I will tell you that the LA Times went to uh, one of my employees, his, fa his father-in-law, uh, took a picture of an apartment fire, and they went to him and said, we'll give you $100 for the picture. And he said, I want an LA Times t-shirt with it. And they said, deal. And there is nothing wrong with that. It's like, if we're making money off of our business, why shouldn't somebody come and say, we want a cut of what you're, we're giving you? I have absolutely no problem buying photos, buying videos, because objectively, it is what it is. The problem is when you start paying for interviews. And that's a problem, because if you say to somebody, I like your story, and they say, I want $1,000, and you say, well, it's worth 500, and they demand 1,000, they're gonna feel like they need to goose the story in order to justify the money. And that's where you're sitting there listening to somebody's account, and if money is involved, then you gotta wonder, how real is the story? It's the interview that's the problem, and not buying photos or video. I, I will absolutely buy photos, absolutely buy video, absolutely. And, by the way, everybody does that. All right, so... I mean, it's funny, I, I will say this. It was funny because we broke the, you know, Nancy Reagan died, um, as you know. And I was at the gym 
I shouldn't tell the story, but I went Go ahead. ahead. I was at the gym on Sunday, and Patty Davis, Nancy's daughter, came up and said, how did you get this before I found out? And, and we were kind of laughing, and, and you know, <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, because, look, we got a tip, and, and it happens to be just somebody I know. And we got a tip, and we just started making calls. And she said, what did you do? How, and it's like, and, and it's, it's like, Patty, what, do, you, do you think I called Betsy Bloomingdale and said, I'll give you $100 if you tell me what's going on? Right. And it's like, no, we just made a bunch of phone calls and ultimately found somebody who confirmed so it. Let's talk about the nature of publishing. And eventually we're going to get into the Gawker thing right. because you are not being attacked by a billionaire right now. And you do things that make people angry, some of your coverage and things like that. But before we get into that, let's talk about where publishing is going. Because you started off with the, we with the website and you were speedy. It was like crazy speedy how quick you guys were. And I think I took a lot of lessons from that, like how quick you were and at the same time were entertaining and at the same time had a personality. It wasn't AP, it was more. It was like AP speed and yet you added stuff to it, like pictures and graphics and stuff. And then you moved into a TV show, and then as you said, bus tours. I'd love to know how big a, you know, we do conferences, you do bus tours, although maybe we should do a bus tour. Now, um, what, that would be cool. I'd be, hi, <laughs> wave This is Kara Swisher's house. This is, no, Let's no. Go around and around. I think yeah. it's my favorite thing, by the way. Okay, all right, is that a big business, by the way? It's a great business for us. Okay. And it's not just, I mean, what we've tried to do in our business is we've tried to create platforms that have connections, mm -hmm. and they're not repetitive, but they're complementary. Right. So when you look at, the website, and then you look at the first TV show we did, the show is a funny show. So it's not, we're not pretending that we're breaking the news we break on the website. What we decided was it would be a funny take on Hollywood. So it complements it, but it doesn't, mim it, it doesn't really mimic it. And, and the same with the, the bus tour, the reason that it's been so good for us, aside from it, it's just we spent a lot of time on it. We wanted to make it a show. Mm -hmm. And we spent a year putting it together. But in addition to it just being a good business for us, uh, it provides content because the guides all have cameras. And it's unbelievable how, I, and I don't know why, what the dynamic is, but when you have 26 people on a bus, it's an audience. And we get huge celebrities walking up to the bus, driving up to the bus, interacting with people, and we have our cameras there, and I'm talking Rihanna, Beyonce, Samuel L. Jackson, Celine Dion, I mean, so big You're surprised? Because they're not at all narcissistic at all. I mean. I am surprised, I'm a little surprised really? because I know what happens at restaurants and we get them, right. but it's not them coming to us. Right. But what, we, what it does is it gives us content for the TV show, it gives us content for the website. Right. The guides we've now put on, our, we have, three TV shows, we've put the guides on the various shows, right. so the guides become talent, if you will, so it all kind of interrelates. So wh where is it going? Where is it going? Because you were early, very early to, this, to the web experience that you had, and then you have integrated. I think it's, in many ways, it's very brilliant, the idea of integrating everything. But what happens next? How do you look at your business now? So, you, are you a, you're a digital business initially, and then... Yeah, I mean, I... You know, I look at it as producing content. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm trying not to look at it as a digital business or a broadcast business or anything else. Because, look, I believe in 10 years there's not going to be an internet. Okay. And I think there's not going to be television. And I really, I really in my bones believe this. Because if you look at that box you have in, at home, um, there are only two reasons to go to the box entertainment and information. Those are the only two reasons to go to that box. So if that's the predicate here, then 
Why, when the box is now fully integrated with digital and broadcast, why would you say, I'm going to go to the internet now, okay, and now I'm going to go to television? Why do that? You're only going to the box for entertainment or information. So to me, what I'm trying to look at and figure out is how do you take the assets from television and the assets from digital and use those assets to create specific programming. So you take some assets, you know, the interactivity or whatever it is from digital, and you take assets from broadcast, and then you create programming around it. So to me, in 10 years, you're not going to go to television, you're not going to go to the internet, you're going to go to the box, and you're going to see a menu, and you're going to go to various programs that allow you to integrate all those assets, but there's no reason. I mean, I call it intervision, because to me it's that. Intervision. What, what about? Yeah, it's the, it's the blend of the two, and, and you can... You go for the content. You don't go for an experience online or broadcast. So, I, I, don't, I think it's going to be obsolete. Everything's going to be obsolete in 10 years. Let's talk about today. There's social media, Facebook, Twitter. Prince died. I read about it on Twitter. The first time I read about it, someone probably linked to you. And I probably tried to go to your site, and it crashed. It didn't but crash. But after that, Our, no, we didn't. it didn't matter. Everyone was tweeting about it right. and retweeting, and no one knows where the source was. Or maybe there was some discussion about whether it was from TMZ. But quickly, it just became a Twitter thing and then eventually a Facebook thing. And you didn't have to go to TMZ to learn about it. It seems like that commodifies your scoops pretty quickly. It didn't. Um, I will tell you that that day we had 18 million uniques on our site, which, is, which was a record. Um, I, I, when I, I, I'm, most of you are not old enough, but there, there used to be a, a NASA program called Mercury. It was the first pr uh, program, and they would show like John Glenn going into space in the capsule, and it would shake like this. I felt like we were in the capsule because I was looking at our chart beat, which gives us the measurements of who's on the site, when we put the story up, and it was... Going, it was going to a level that I've never seen, and I, I felt this going on, and we needed to stabilize the site. But it's interesting that social media has been amazing for us. It amplifies your business. It, it amplifies the business because what happens is, number one, you can get tips where something isn't fully fleshed out, and then if you can jump on it, you can figure out you know, the real story. So it's a way of, it's a way of sourcing a million tips that you might not otherwise get. But also, because they push links around, um, it, it's become a fire hose. What about publishing on those platforms? How do you look at publishing, not publishing on your website, publishing on Facebook? We are all over it. Um, we are publishing um, most of what we do on, uh, certainly on Facebook, mm -hmm. but we have, we're spending a lot of time creating programming, on social media, we're creating a lot of programming now on YouTube, um, different than TMZ. We're not doing just TMZ uh, um, shows. Slicing it up. Yeah, we're, but we're, we're going into other areas too. And, and it has been, social media, you know, I, I worry too, I'll be honest. When I, when, when I saw it explode, I wondered what it was going to do to the business. I wondered exactly what you were saying. That just hasn't happened. It's been nothing but good for us, and it's allowed us to have different platforms to kind of push things back and forth in a way that we weren't able to do before. So it's been nothing but great. So let's talk about Peter Thiel. About what? Peter, Peter Thiel. Thiel. Okay. Gawker. Want to so as aside? we said, you don't have a billionaire suing you quite yet. Right. Um, what, what did you think when you saw that? What, do you, what is your... I, I have to say, maybe I'm missing something. I don't understand the 
story behind this, that somebody is funding somebody else's lawsuit. Okay, I mean, what's the story? That happens all the time. There are legal defense funds that fund people's um, legal defenses. Um, we've seen people raise money you know, on PayPal. We've seen you know, a, a mother helping a son. I mean, this happens all the time. To me, it's like, okay, so Hulk Hogan got financial help from some guy. The only real issue is, is that disclosed to Hulk Hogan that he's paying for Hulk's defense. I'm assuming that, or his prosecution of the case, and I'm assuming that, he, that Hulk absolutely knew. Mm -hmm. So I don't see the story there. As a lawyer, That's I mean, that happens, lawyer, it, it happens all the time. Do you get sued by billionaires secretly or publicly? Um, certainly not secretly, and um, I can't think of a billionaire that has got that kind of beef with us. Because that's part of the argument, right? Is it secret or not the notion that a new class, this is the, the, the meme now, right? That there's a new class of billionaires, they're in this room, and they now can shut down, effectively shut down a publication well, by you funding win. multiple lawsuits. You gotta win. No, you don't have to win. You could fund lots of lawsuits and bleed them slowly. That's true. I mean, I, I think that's true. I found this a little bit weird because these cases typically are handled on a contingency fee. Um, that's why I found this odd. I, I don't fully understand it, but usually a, a case like that, the lawyers would take on a contingency fee. Now, maybe they did this on an hourly rate. I don't know. No, that's the point. Is that you've got a billionaire bankrolling them, so when Gawker offers to settle hey, if I were the, times... If I were the lawyer, I would much rather get a cut than an than hourly rate in that case. Right. I'm sure they're being well compensated. I mean, that's the question, right? That, is that normally this thing would have been settled by now. Gawker would have paid Hulk Hogan and his lawyers some amount of money. Instead, it's dragging on and it's going to appeal. And there's this case and there's many more cases. Right. Um, so you don't have any sympathy for Gawker in this case? Oh, no, it's not, this is not an issue of sympathy for Gawker. I'm, I didn't say that at all. I, I just said I don't understand the big deal about somebody funding somebody's defense. Um, it, it just doesn't strike me. I will say this. I, I mean, I will say this about the case, that, I mean, look, we were offered that tape, and we turned it down. We didn't do it. You wrote about it. Huh, we, we had Hulk on our show. We had Hulk on TMZ Live. We actually told Hulk that this was circulating when, when it came to us. And he went on TMZ Live because he wanted to talk about it. So we why did, did... Why did you turn it down? It, it wasn't right for us. Um, it, what wasn't right? I mean... It, it felt invasive to us. There were all sorts of issues. And, I, and, and you know, I'm not going to get into our business decisions, but we said no. That said, there is a certain amount of chest pounding that I've seen in some traditional media that I find really hypocritical. Um, again, we didn't publish it. I'm not making a big deal about what other people do. They do what they do, and we do what we do. But th there was this chest pounding like, yeah, they got what they, and, and you know, I'm thinking back, for example, to David Hasselhoff. I'm sure you remember the hamburger video. No, I do not, but please inform me. That David Hasselhoff was incredibly drunk mm -hmm. and oh, yes. was eating a hamburger off the floor. That's right. Do you recall that? Yes, sadly. That video went everywhere. CNN ran it, entertainment, and everybody ran this video. Well, not everybody, but a lot of media ran that video. And there was no 
second guessing about it. They said, let's just, this is great video. We got to run it. This was video that was taken at the behest of an alcoholic who went to his daughter and they made a pact that if he fell off the wagon, she would videotape it to show him so he might get scared straight. Her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, stole the tape and sold it. And everybody ran it. And nobody ever said boo about that. Mm -hmm. And yet, they're chest pounding on this. To me, it is as invasive as the Hulk Hogan case. Yet nobody talks about that. Nobody says that. You're gay. Mm -hmm. You're out. Yep. You wrote about this recently. You didn't used to be out. At one point, you were in the closet. Does that inform your perspective on sort of what you're willing to reveal against someone's will or not? And especially in this era when it goes crazy. It goes, it goes into this viral... Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, we, when we started this, you know, we all said, we're not going to out people. I mean, that's just, again, I, I, I don't want to, like, judge what other people do. I mean, I honestly, that's not my job. I am not running a website where I want to out people. And I just, that's not my thing. I don't want to do it. And we've not done it. And I'm not going to do it. Um, and, you know, again, I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and be sanctimonious about anything. Um, that's our position. And I have a compass on that, and that's my compass. Okay. Well, let's get some questions from the audience, and then I have a couple more questions. We have many more questions if you guys are going to be shy, which would be weird. Questions? Oh, here's one. I'm short. You could oh, probably okay. all beat me up, so don't fear not. This is not the question Karen and Peter are expecting. Uh, Owen Thomas from the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, I'm wondering, what is TMV, TMZ actually running on these days in terms of it's technology. Years ago, you used AOL's Blogsmith platform. Have you taken that all in-house? <laughs> oh, my God. That's really nerdy. And do you use Bitcoin? And do you use Bitcoin? Do you use Bitcoin? Uh, we, we're, we're on, again, we're on CMS. Um, we, we do outsource. Um, but that's always changing. I mean, one of the things that I, I'm, I'm not a real tech guy. Um, I will be the first to admit. But we are constant. We have a great tech team. And one of the things I've noticed is that just how, how much you change, and, and by the way, in broadcast as well, that we've changed our technology three times uh, since firing up. Um, just because it, it, part of it is outgrowing things, part of it is you find problems as you grow, and then part of it is you just find better technology. But uh, you know, it's funny because when, the, when we broke the Prince story and I saw this thing happen, we created this quick fix and it was just by dumb luck that the night before, um, the tech team, obviously not knowing what was going to happen, they came up with an idea, because we talked about what might happen if we have this incredible spike in traffic. We had no idea what was going to happen the next day. And they came up with a template, and we said, we just got to try it, and it worked. So, you know, this is always a work in progress. And, um, you know, it, things work, and some things don't work. And um, we are outsourcing. I feel like the best thing to do is to be kind of the master of your own destiny. And when you can do as much in-house as you can, you do it. It's just always been better. Um, but we still outsource some. And on the television show, it's all in-house. Everything's in-house. 
Jay, please don't Thank ask you. a CMS question. <laughs> uh, so I would follow up about Medium and using that as a platform. No. Uh, I'm curious, there's a, uh, there's a mini panic right now, I feel like, in digital media where BuzzFeed's revenue number came in a little lighter than perhaps expected. They slashed their expectations, and then Mashable's a company is pivoting. You've been in digital media, and I don't think people necessarily put you in that category. But from a business perspective, where do you generate revenue? Where do you see growth coming from? How do you do it? Because you have these different pieces. Is the tour bus where you're actually making money and you do this website which <laughs> promotes it? And like, or is it you just like, we make this website, gets lots of traffic, then we go and take cash in on TV? Like, where is revenue for you in your business? Tips from people in the tour bus. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Smart, that's very smart. Um, no, I mean, look, it's, you know, we're, we're profit-making operation and everything we do um, is designed to have a profit. I mean, the television shows, um, you know, we, we sold TMZ Sports, we told, sold TMZ Live, we sold TMZ. So we have three shows going, we have a game show that we sold, and, you know, those are part of the puzzle. Is that where the majority of the money comes no, from? No, I mean, we, look, the website does well for us, but one of the things I have noticed is that, well, look, I, I get involved in um, ad sales. And, you know, I, I go to some of the meetings that our ad sales department has because I want to take their temperature and know what people are buying. And so um, one of the things that I'm really interested in, because we've done well on the website, but I think we've tried new things. For example, um, one of the things that we've done in the last couple of years, um, you know, we, because of the television show, a lot of the people on our staff, we don't hire them to be on TV, but they're on TV and they're known now because the show's been on for nine years. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've gone to some of the people who want to you know, buy ads or integrations or whatever, and we say to them, look, let's use what you do and we'll, we'll pitch your product in our newsroom and we'll create a video, a 30-second video, and we'll use it as pre-roll for our videos, and we'll sell it in our voice, because if people are on our site, they probably want our voice, and the people in the room have our voice, and we can create these 30-second pre-rolls with our voice, with our people, with your product. And we've started, we've been doing that, and it's been pretty successful because it's a different way of doing it. What I've noticed is they want different. And if you keep going to them and say, what, you know, banner ads, banner ads, banner ads, or you know, takeovers, at a point it becomes white noise, and they're always looking for something new. One of the things that I'm really super interested in right now is what they call live ads, where, um, oh, God, somebody help me. Ostweiler, is that the quarterback? Osweiler. Osweiler, yeah. No. So um, he. I know you had that one, Karen. I know. Thank you. I got it close. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I have no idea. I was close. You got it. You got it. You got it. Um, so Ryan Osweiler. Brock. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Anyway, so um, he was he was on the eve of signing a seventy-five million dollar deal, and he and his wife were coming out of a club and they had gone to this pizza place next door and they were going to their car and he was holding the pizza like this. There was a guy that came up and incited his wife and pushed him and he was he's a great quarterback because he kept, he held the pizza as he got pushed and he, and he stopped. And for a quick second, you look at this video and we got this video and you see him computing all of this that he wanted to go after this guy, and he knew he had a $75 million contract on the line, and you literally saw him process it. And he stopped, and he got in the car, 
and he drove away. And it was an awesome video. It was an awesome video. And two days later, I was in New York, and I was talking to an ad agency, and we were talking about live ads, and I said, guys, give us dominoes. Give us dominoes that day and let us plug it in. And, you know, we break these stories quickly and we can't get an RFP and then, you know, worry about creative with you guys because we pass up this opportunity. So to me, the live ads are the next frontier for us and that's kind of where I want to go. But the short answer is that I think you've got to always find new things and that's what I've found from these advertisers is if you can find something new and distinguish it from all the other things that are being sold, you do okay. That's a really Quick good question for Brian. Quick question, Brian. Do you feel disrespected still by other news outlets? The morning Nancy Reagan dies, 11.30 Eastern time, I'm on CNN, your news alert goes off. I'm sitting at the desk, I want to report it, but we have to wait for the AP or for CNN or for others. We, we saw that again with Prince as well. Everybody waited for the AP, they didn't want to report it because TMZ said so. So do you still feel disrespected by the rest of the news world and do you care? I will give you several answers to that. The first answer is this. Um, New York Times did a study a couple of years ago on the most quoted um, and sourced news outlets in the world. Uh, we were number 10. We beat ABC News, we beat NBC News, we beat CBS News, we pretty much beat everybody. Everybody else in the top 10 was like Associated Press, Reuters. They were organizations that covered everything, politics, wars. We were the only niche group in that top 10 that was sourced more than anybody else, more than the network. So we're quoted a lot. People but still don't but, trust but you. I will say this. If, if you guys don't quote us, I'm a businessman too. I'm the happiest guy in the world. Because if you, if CNN's waiting for AP, good for you. But we were right. And in the meantime, the only way you could get the news was going to TMZ, that you either got it through another source that quoted us, or you got it through social, or you got it right through TMZ. We had 18 million uniques on our site. That's a victory. I wish you would have waited longer. <laughs> I'm serious. I wish you would have waited a lot longer, because as a businessman, you know, we're journalists, and we, when we work on our stories, we pride ourselves in getting it right. I don't want you to jump at us, because then, People are going to go to CNN, and we're going to lose that traffic. It's I loved it. Someone, I loved that. Someone the other day from a prominent company was mad about a story of ours, and they said, you've become TMZ. Oh. And, and I went, they're always right. So I mean, that's not an insult right now, but it was really interesting. Yeah, no. I mean, look, I, it's, it, it's funny because traditional media, it, it's like they got to wake up. I mean, I really think that's, look, the news, if you look at traditional media, it hasn't changed in 50 years. It is mind-numbing. It's an anchor throwing to a reporter saying the same thing the anchor said, and then you go to a tape that has sound and, and, and then track, and sound and then track, and sound and then track. The anchor stands there and, and says something that he should have said in the package, but he wants to be on TV, and then goes back to the anchor who says, you'll stay on top of that, I'm sure. It's like the same drill for 50 years, and people are bored with it. When you look at the commercials on television and on cable and on broadcast, it's all drugs and death because the audience has 
Well, it is. I mean, you watch it, and it's all, you know, heart medicine and, you know, all of these warnings that can just drive you crazy in a half hour. And, you know, and what's happened is those audiences have aged so. The question is, who's coming there that's young? And the answer is, they're not. There is a crisis in the media right now that if you look at college campuses, they're not getting cable. They don't install cable in dorms. Kids aren't watching TV. It's irrelevant to them. There are new ways of getting information. And the trick to survival is realizing it and saying, you know what, we've got to change. And I think that's the, that's the challenge for traditional media right now. So I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, we're trying, you know, we're, we're, we're trying and looking at the model and trying to draw in young people and trying to stay relevant. But I think putting, you know, burying your head in the sand, it's going to kill you. And I mean, I think that is the biggest problem with traditional media right now, that they, that they feel like, oh my God, somebody's trying something different, how dare they? Traditional media has got to change or they're going to die. And you, it's simple numbers. You know how it ends when somebody goes from 40 to 50 to 60 to 70. We know how that ends. You've got to replenish. All right, on that word, word, Harvey Levin. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Remember to leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay and be sure to check out our other podcasts. Every Monday, I host Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. On Thursdays, you can hear Recode Media, where Peter Kafka interviews the smartest and most interesting people in the media world. And on Friday, I host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge. You can find all these shows and more at Recode.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.